The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Ogbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kuule Ogbayani alongside Paul Brecht. We were just <laughs> a lot going on within the last couple of minutes as we were trying to, I don't want to say we're scrambling, but um, just some somewhat breaking news uh, right before we jumped on air as it has to do with un- the University of Hawaii football schedule for 2024. So we were trying to find as much information as we could for all of you beautiful people uh, before jumping on air. But uh, we'll tell you about that in just a second. Coming up. On the show, we will also get into, we, we mentioned it yesterday, but we will also get into the debacle that happened uh, with the University of Hawaii baseball game against NC State in the whole shortened game. Brian McInnes from Spectrum News has a good write-up that he uh, published yesterday, so we'll get you some of that information. Uh, also some, you know, NFL draft speculation as there's been some coaches that have been making the waves on uh Twitter with what they've been saying about the future of their current quarterbacks. But yeah, a lot to get into today. But first, um, this just coming down the pipe as it was announced on social media just like not too long ago within the last hour. Uh, I saw the same time as you, Paul, (laughs) on this FBSschedules.com. So the Rainbow Warriors will host Delaware State at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex uh, on Saturday, August 24th, 2024, to open up week zero. Uh, They, As we were talking about, there was a long time where they did not have anybody because Oregon, the Oregon game, uh, had to get postponed or rescheduled due to the fact that it just doesn't make any financial sense for both sides, especially for the University of Hawaii, being that the capacity is way too small for a game that is likely to would have easily surpassed the 15,000 capacity that uh, Manoa can currently handle. So uh, there's still stuff being negotiated on what to do. And if if the game gets flat out canceled, that also makes good financial sense for the University of Hawaii because they would get a nice hefty payout more money than they would have generated through ticket sales and whatnot had they hosted uh, that game against Oregon. But nonetheless, there is an opponent. So week zero obviously is the unofficial name for some of the games that start prior to week one. But in case you're wondering, this is one thing that Paul and I were trying to look up right before we jumped on air is that uh, Delaware State, well, this will obviously be their first ever meeting, but they compete in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference or the MEAC in the FCS. So Hawaii is also scheduled, as we know, to host Northern Iowa, which gives them two FCS opponents on its schedule. Per the NCAA bylaws, only one victory against an FCS opponent counts toward bowl eligibility requirements each season. That's something that we talked about previously, which will matter significantly for the University of Hawaii because now that they have 12 total games, you do need to win at least six of them. However, should they win two of those FCS games, only one game will count to the overall six that they need to win to be bowl eligible. So uh, that's something to keep in mind as we go through the rest of the season. 
Hawaii is scheduled to host UCLA, which should still be a fun game uh, for a lot of Hawaii fans. That'll be on August 31st. They also play Sam Houston on the 14th and all of the other um, Mountain West or their Mountain West schedule. And then also that Mountain West Pac-2 agreement that is between uh, Hawaii or the Mountain West Conference, so they'll play Washington State. So there's a lot of stuff, but that was pretty cool. A little fun surprise that we got, like I said, jumping right before we came on this morning. So we just wanted to confirm, and we did, that Delaware State is an FCS school because that is an important tidbit when it comes to qualifying for the bowl game. So just to, um, you know, kind of preview next season. So Hawaii will open up with Delaware State on August 24th, uh, and as we just said, and then UCLA on August 31st, Sam Houston on September 14th, and then Northern Iowa, the other FCS opponent, on September 21st. And their opponents uh, via the conference play will be San Diego State, Boise State, Washington State, Nevada, Fresno State, UNLV, Utah State, New Mexico, and as we mentioned, the oh no, that would bring us to 13 then. Because we don't have the Washington State on there. That's right. That would make sense. Yeah, because we were looking at something else. So Washington State would uh, be on there as well. So as we mentioned, the conference games will be San Diego State, Boise State. Oh, no, there's Washington State. I just said that. My gosh. <laughs> this is what happens when they're breaking news that happens right before we're, we jump on air. I'm like frazzled. Because we try to, like, obviously we want to prepare for every show. So when we have less than two minutes to prepare for something we're going to talk about, it's like, oh, no. Okay, let's gather all the information that we can right before we jump on air. But I'm hoping we're doing you guys justice with breaking this news because it's definitely, uh, I know a lot of fans that obviously we all care tremendously about what was going on with the University of Hawaii football schedule, but that coming down today. Delaware State, and I wish we could, I don't know if you got a chance, Paul, yet to look up how Delaware State has been doing last season. They didn't do very well, actually. A one in ten overall. Uh, oh, and five. Oh, and five. Oh, I guess is that right? Oh, and five in conference. Okay. <laughs> See, FCS is a little weird. That's why I was like, wait a minute, what's what's going on? So one in ten overall. Oh, and five in conference last year. Uh, they played Bowie State, Army, University of Richmond, Miami University of Ohio in the um, non conference uh, Virginia University of Lynchburg Central Connecticut State University and in conference the teams that they lost to South Carolina State Howard University uh, Norfolk State University and North Carolina Central University a lot of HBCUs yeah I think when I kind of googled it the first time they are Delaware State is an HBCU uh, they would check out yeah I, uh as I've continued to think about it more and more, I'm pretty sure. Uh, overall, it's it's a really cool opening game to next season, um, or what I assume is the opening game, right? Yes. Like uh, it, yeah, August, week zero 20, opens the season. Whatever. Yep. Uh, it's cool though. Uh, very excited to see a, a fresh face coming to the islands it seems that their fans are very excited about yeah. it which is always very very fun it's fun to show the aloha to a, a new group of fans as they come on in and also it's a nice way for the bows to start the season i'll say and i say this in the most respectful manner of it's not it's not starting with an sec school it's not starting with a, a big 10 school it's not starting with a, a big pay game and I'm personally a big believer in 
your first game of the season oftentimes can set the momentum going forward, mm-hmm. especially in a sport like football, where if the Bows can get positive momentum in week one, I'm not talking about a blowout. I'm not talking about anything like that because Delaware State, I, we, we talk about it on this show all the time. Football is one of those sports where you can be really, really bad one year and the next year you are mm-hmm. awesome. So it's, it's no disrespect to Delaware State. It is more that starting with an FCS opponent instead of an FBS opponent, perhaps this team will have an opportunity to kind of get their feet under them before you go and face off against a UCLA, before you go and face off against your Mountain West Conference schedule. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be fun overall. I think it'll be a really cool experience for the Delaware State guys Mm -hmm. and for their fans, which is always number one for me. And then... Perhaps the Bows can start the year off 1-0, and which they have not been able to do under Timmy Chang. Yeah, and that's a good point, right, where you're, if you were going to play someone like in Oregon, and as much as we believe in our team and this coaching staff, I mean, Oregon, Dan Lining, what he's been able to do there is just a whole other animal. So you're right, like if you're facing an Oregon to open your season and then you just get beat up by this team that is like, I mean, obviously, they will be still continue to be a Power 5 team moving over to the Big Ten. But just if anybody was watching football last year, I mean, this team is scary. And they have Dylan Gabriel under center, a very seasoned quarterback. So they're a very, very good team. And the chances of Hawaii pulling out an upset would be, I don't know what the odds would be on that. It would be one of those that there would just not even be a money line opportunity on that because it would just be insane. So, yeah setting the momentum where you definitely have more than enough of a chance to win and have the confidence for your squad to start the season off with a win and hopefully a convincing win and get that new momentum going into to the season because you're right, more of a, a good first start of the game before facing another program that has a lot of resources in UCLA. Well, you also don't have to play perfect football right off the bat where it's you're able to make a few mistakes against the team who is more uh or, or I guess less uh well funded like an Oregon where Delaware State comes on in if you're able to beat them in week 0 you're going forward and yeah even though you didn't play a perfect game now you won and you have teach tape from that win so overall I think it's a good idea for the Bows to start the year off like that and if you're for for all of you who are concerned about oh you only get one FCS win that counts towards bowl eligibility, I don't think Timmy Chang and company are thinking about just squeaking into a bowl game this year. I don't think they're thinking, oh man, we better go seven and six to to get into a bowl. I think I think the goal is to win as many as many games as possible. They're they're thinking you know nine and four type of deal where there's no question about a bowl game. So. For, for anyone who is concerned about that when you're thinking, oh, God, they scheduled two FCS schools, relax for now. And these days with NIL, as you're somewhat mentioning, Paul, where you, know, you can't just count out FCS schools and think FBS is automatically better because they've really stepped up their no. game. Recently, we've seen quite a few FCS schools move up to FBS, which is why Paul and I were kind of scrambling because we wanted to make sure before we said it that Delaware State was, in fact, an FCS school because... 
there's been so much movement between the two levels lately that uh, we needed to ensure that we're giving you guys the right information. But uh, being that there are, yes, the two FCS schools on the schedule now, and only one will count towards bowl eligibility, like say if one of them are shockingly good and you do, do lose one, either way, only that one win would count Anyways, so in hindsight, at least you give yourself still those two opportunities to get likely at least the one win that will count towards your bowl eligibility in the future. And then if we're just, this is just going based on, hmm, I guess historic, what we're used to, right? Like if we look at the schedule, UCLA, eh. I like our I mean, chances. Against I do like them our chances, but we'll let's get just, into that well, yeah, another we'll, day. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go just historically. This is all historically. So if we have any of our University of Hawaii football uh, coaching friends listening, this isn't this the isn't actual. You. No, this, this is isn't. You got yeah, here. this isn't. This isn't our uh, in-depth prediction because we will definitely get into that, especially come the fall, because that's when we'll know who's healthy, who's going to play. Who UCLA's head? Do we know who their head coach is yet? They did hire somebody. Um, Since Chip Kelly's no longer there. I think a former player, actually, Mm -hmm. which is always, in my opinion, I always think it's a great call to hire a former player to lead your program just to kind of galvanize the fan base. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would look maybe to the islands of Hawaii where you have a a former (laughs) quarterback leading, leading the way, but you know. (laughs) <laughs> okay, historically, again, I don't know how much I can reiterate that because I want people to get it that this is not by no me means like us saying that this is going to happen. But historically, let's just because this is just real quick. Again, all of this stuff is coming down right before we dumped on the show. And well, technically, Delaware State tweeted it at like four in the morning, but who's who? None of uh, us were following we Delaware were, State. Sorry so. We weren't awake. <laughs> uh, so, okay, Delaware State win. Well, okay, one of the FCS schools at least were going to win. Uh, UCLA, I personally do think Hawaii has chance, but let's not put that on the win column. Sam Houston, I don't know if they've ever played before, but Sam Houston, they've been pretty good lately, right? So, um, and this is going to be at Sam Houston. Hmm, we'll save that for the back po- pocket at San Diego State. Hey, recently we've been very competitive and I think this year will be okay. So we're going to tally that as a win at San Diego State. Boise State, all we tend to lose. So, eh. <laughs> again, historically, you guys, historically, we will be a lot better and more in depth when we're not jumping on air and like, oh, hey, this is what's going on. <laughs> um, Washington State, they've been pretty good lately, so we won't put that on there. Nevada, we've been competitive against them, so we'll put that at the win column. Fresno State, ooh, this one can go either way. I'm going to give it to us this year. That's another one. UNLV. That one is going to be at home, so we can win that one. Uh, At Utah State, ooh, this is a tough one because I feel like usually Hawaii would win, but Utah State has been good recently. Well, then you would just have to do this two more. is Utah State and New Mexico. Ooh, we can win New Mexico. So that would give us six, and then Utah State would be... mm, Coin flip. Yeah, that would be Utah State, Sam Houston, UCLA is kind of like coin coin flip. This is just no in-depth... Like I said, no in-depth, just going based on history. Please, nobody hate me, especially if, like I said, the (laughs) UH coaching staff is listening. (laughs) But going off historical precedent, like that's... That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, You're welcome. That's what probably a lot of fans are looking at it and like, okay. And and that's how you do math in your head as a fan. And 
to be so fair, six, I I three do, coin flips. I do math in my head a little bit different because in football, I always and you guys here at HSRN know this. I always say, especially as a Jets fan, uh, you're going to win at least one game that you're not supposed to win, and you're probably going to lose one game that you're not supposed to lose. So that, those cancel out, and then depending on how good the team is, sometimes you're uh, you're going to steal an extra game. It uh, makes the math all funny. So that's why they play the games, Koo. More, more or less, that's why they play the games. I think the interesting thing is how much how many gaps they'll have, I guess somewhat bye weeks yeah, that they'll seemed- have. Because if you're putting it that they start, um, if they start on August, August 24th, 24th in week yeah. zero, and then they end when everyone else ends on November 30th, this is my quick math, um, that would put three gaps on the Hawaii schedule. I mean, we, we, talk, about, we talk hmm. about football being so physically taxing and grueling. I don't, I don't necessarily think that the team would mind having some breaks here and there but yeah we'll see. shout out our alan mia that's right he's a ucla guy deshaun foster head coach for ucla he should you know he's not usually a football guy but he'll keep up with the ucla stuff foster has been around at a few different ucla events i've been seeing on twitter and it's similar to i mean anywhere that gets a new younger head coach it seems that fans are very much so taking to him and his energy uh, I'm glad Alan reminded us of his name because um, I knew it was Foster and I did not know his first name and that's bad job by me, just straight up. <laughs> what, he, what? Let's see what he's. Oh, that's and right. That's right. That's, right. that's a good reminder. Eric Bieniemy uh, taking the associate head coaching role and the offensive coordinator position. Is that official though? I mean, I know it was it, in the. It came news. through the the line a few days yeah. ago, so. At the very least, it's what's expected. I think it is official mm, now because ooh, be he, interesting. he he did clarify that he was not fired from Washington Commanders. He he was you know allowed you, to leave, kind of like Shane Waldron. You know, Dan Morrison versus Eric Bieniemy, like offenses going against each other. Hawaii UCLA. I'm okay, I'm ready for okay. it. I'm Let's ready go. for it. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. Like UH football, Timmy Chang and company have been working to push it back up this is the year where uh we can really see some some fun fireworks Mm, on that note wonder what team alan will be repping come that game Ooh, pressure's on alan but we got to step aside we'll be right back on wake up in the den back to more wake up in the den with kuule agbayani on the hawaii sports radio network 95.1 fm and am 760 Alongside Paul Brecht, I'm Kule Agbayani. Well, that first segment went a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, but that's what happens when we start talking about UH football, and then we have Alan Mia chiming in as well, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you guys missed it, um, Hawaii, or I don't even think Hawaii technically officially announced it, but it was announced by the school that they're playing, uh, which is Delaware State. So the University of Hawaii football team will open their season in week zero, hosting Delaware State on August 24th. 
uh, that announcement coming this morning. So that's what everyone was wondering. And just to recap, the <laughs> Delaware State, yes, is an FCS school. So Hawaii already has an FCS school on their schedule as well. So only one of those wins, should Hawaii win both of those games, as they should, as we believe they will, only one game will count towards bowl eligibility. So that's the major takeaway from having the two FCS opponents on that schedule. But yeah, so we should be getting the full schedule because I'm assuming that is the final game. Hawaii needed to get at least the 12 games, uh, not the usual 13 because they are one of the schools that regularly play in week zero, which this game is. So we're used to, to Hawaii having the 13 games on their schedule. Uh, now it is set at 12. I'm assuming it this is set. So we should actually see the full schedule in sometime this week, I'm assuming. So we'll definitely keep you guys posted when that comes about. So um, only the non-conference matchups have already been um, announced and they have dates. You can go to hawaiiathletics.com to see that. All we're waiting on is the rest of the schedule. We already know where if Hawaii is playing home and away against some of these opponents. But yeah, I know a lot of people are ready to start sending their trips. Unfortunately, this is a year where we have to host UNLV. So there's no UNLV trip to plan for. <laughs> That's usually always the fun one that gets Darn. marked everyone. But I don't know. San Diego State might be fun. I know a lot of people like to go to that one. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun. But we'll keep you guys all posted. But just want to make sure we keep reminding everyone that that's the breaking UH football news to come out this morning. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Alamia, got to uh, share with you guys a little fun tidbit with Alan Mia. So we always talk about him being a UCLA fan. Uh, and we <laughs> in our in our little group chat that he texted us to remind us who the new head coach of UCLA is, Deshaun Foster, and potentially new offensive coordinator, associate head coach, and Eric Bieniemy. Former Chiefs OC, Commanders OC, now going over to the college level. Uh, <laughs> That's running back. He he said he has to go with the Bruins in the UH-UCLA matchup. And we're like, boo, get out of here. But he said he, he's, he likes living and being a part of his household. And <laughs> Paul texted, happy wife. And he said, happy father-in-law. Which will lead to happy, happy wife. wife. Because that's the same in my household too. So <laughs> my yes. other half makes sure like, all right, got to got to make sure the parents are happier. <laughs> it will be very, very miserable for it's, myself. It is just the smartest <laughs> just, way to go about yeah. things. Yeah. So we'll forgive Alan for being a, a traitor in this situation, I guess. Family yeah. comes first. I get just it. This so. one time. Just this one time. It's fine. We're totally going to give him like so much heckling if, if and when black. Hawaii comes up with the upset and we beat them. We'll have fun with it. Yeah. Don't worry. Anywho. All right. So getting into more University of Hawaii news, uh, something that happened over the weekend, the, I, well, one, the University of Hawaii, Hawaii baseball team has started off the season pretty awesome, uh, being really, really competitive against some of these top teams in the country in Ole Miss. Again, they split that four-game series against Ole Miss, uh, lost the first two, and then won the last two. Then they played NC State, number 13th team in the country. Uh, they have since dropped a spot, probably because they lost to Hawaii. So NC State is currently ranked 14, but they were 13 at the time they played Hawaii. Hawaii lost 17-12, to 12, which was still a highly competitive game. I mean, for Hawaii to put up 12 runs against a team that's supposed to be one of the top teams in the country is really solid work. And then they come out with the 
close win, 7-5 over NC State on Saturday. And then Sunday is where things get a little interesting and where uh, things kind of went wrong for the fandom and a lot of the media that were in attendance. So Hawaii uh, played or they lost 10-8. However, that was only eight. It was only an eight inning game because it was called short. The game was supposed to end by four o'clock p.m. And it was agreed upon, apparently, between the two coaches that that was the hard stoppage so that it would give the puppies. Is that what you called them, right, Paul? The it puppies? was the puppies. <laughs> uh, enough time to make their seven o'clock p.m. flight. So a lot of miscommunication well miscommunication to the fans and the media because apparently everyone was shocked but according to Rich Hill they was actually agreed upon before the game and it was something that they had actually talked about uh, prior to um even prior to the day of the game that was Sunday uh Brian McGinnis actually has a pretty good article where he gets he does the full um write up of just what happened like fans were confused over 2,000 fans in attendance which shout out to all the baseball fans they've been turning out so far for all of these games to uh at the start of the season but it was over and people were just kind of confused as we've noticed with this University of Hawaii team they're a team that likes to or that seems to rally in a lot of these games and just to kind of like talk you through some of these how the game was going on Sunday so at the end of the second, game was tied 2-2. NC State puts up a run in the third. Uh, and then Hawaii puts up two runs in the fourth. And then Hawaii kind of got lit up in the fifth. NC State scored seven runs at the top of the fifth. Scoreless six innings. Hawaii held NC State scoreless for the seventh and eighth innings. And then Hawaii puts up two runs in the seventh and then two runs in the eighth. To bring that game closer again to that 10-8. And then NC State got to take their at-bat at the top of the ninth. And then Hawaii gets nothing. Ouch. It was, it was a tough way to end the game. And like we've been saying, like, like we kind of talked about yesterday, we're firmly going to go with the belief that Hawaii would have kicked their Okole and would have it would have been all dramatic. And I think that's the part that's disappointing as a as a baseball fan and and when you go to games and you just want to be part of those walk-off type of wins like there is no better feeling as a baseball fan when you're there in person for a walk-off like it's just it's incredible like you just I mean just so much cheering and you're just like you're at the edge of your seat the entire inning like the (laughs) waiting out those strikes and to not have that opportunity for fans I can I definitely understand the frustration as a pure fan. As a media is one thing. I think as a media, I think just the miscommunication is probably what would have upset myself as a media member because I would just want to communicate that we we get it. Like we get it. Ultimately, if the if the coaches decided, the teams decided, then that that's they're they're the ones who are the the priority. Yeah, they're the ones that are the priority. I get it. But we would just probably want the communication uh, from the team and whoever the whoever made the decisions but as a fan oh that breaks my heart to have that moment ripped away because down by only two runs you were able to shut them out from the after giving up the seven runs in the fifth shut out nc state the rest of the way and you didn't have your opportunity 
to close out your game only down by two runs. So it's very doable to chip away and potentially come out with, I mean, I think it would have even been better if Hawaii got their chance and maybe they tied it and it would have, it definitely would have hurt if it could have gone to extras and they ended it because we got to go. But just the fact that they never at least got their opportunity in the bottom of the ninth for our non-baseball fans, that would be the final opportunity of the regulation game. I think that that just, oh, that breaks my heart for all the fans that were there. I think it really sucks because in baseball especially, the game, I, I'm going to preface this, I'm a baseball fan. I love baseball. Baseball is incredibly slow moving. And a big part of the reason you feel, you know, that excitement towards the end is you finally have the time aspect to baseball. The the moments are ticking down, you know, who's going to take the game-winning shot, except now it's, well, they only have nine more outs to make this comeback. They only have six more outs to make this comeback. They only have, wait a second, what happened to our last three outs? And that's kind of where it happens, where it's, Oh, you feel the mounting momentum. You're, oh my goodness, we're coming back. We're coming back. We're coming back. And it's the communication part of it. That's the frustration, I think, where fans didn't know. And the team knew. The the coach knew. It just It's frustrating to see that because as a fan, you sit there and you watch and you're like, man, I've been sitting here all day. I've been sitting through this entire game. It's finally starting to heat up in these final moments and just as it feels we're going to hit the climax of the game, we just rip it away and it's over. So it, it stinks. It is a tough way for the Bows to lose. It is unfortunate, but it is also what was agreed upon. Hawaii has shown against two quality opponents now, though, that they are very much so going to be in the thick of things all throughout this season and that this team... It doesn't matter if they're down those six, seven runs. They're going to keep on fighting, chipping away, chipping away. And as long as we don't agree to end any more games early, i got to feel pretty pretty good about coming back in any game. <sighs> oh, way against the time again. Man, we're just going <laughs> to keep going. I think we have our, our third party in this, too, with Alan Mia kind of like driving <laughs> Yeah, he's helping us out. <laughs> just come in studio and join us, Alan. Anyways, we do got to step aside. We'll be right back on Wake Up in the Dead. Wake up in the den with Kuale Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den alongside Paul Brecht. I'm Kuale Agbayani. Mahalo for tuning in this and every weekday morning on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We appreciate all of you guys. Uh, we're talking about the not-so-beautiful thing that was the University of Hawaii baseball game on Sunday. Hawaii being robbed of all their opportunities to chip away at that lead some more. Uh, I mentioned that Brian McInnes did a, a good write-up in SpectrumNews.com, and I just realized I never really went back to read some of the stuff that he put in this article because I was just thinking, as I mentioned before the break, like, how it really hit me. I don't know when I was talking about it that, man, that's so heartbreaking for the fans that were robbed of just the opportunity to watch the com- comeback. And not just a comeback, but a comeback over a nationally ranked team in NC State. Again, ranked 13th at the time. They dropped a slot this week and they were ranked 14th. Nonetheless, a very solid team. 
Rich Hill and this Rainbow Warrior squad have shown that they've been able to compete and fight back, and they're really fun to watch. So in Brian's article, he did ask Coach Hill about it, uh, whether he was disappointed um, from you know more than the 2,000 fans that showed up on Sunday. He said, I am. Yeah, I'm with the fans. I thought we had the momentum going back. Itsuke Takemoto was going to come in. You know, you got to get that inning over before four o'clock to play another one. It was a hard stop. So a lot of the post-game discussion was on whether the 1.05 p.m. start time of the game could have or should have been moved up. I do think it should have because we joke about it, but it's the truth. You know, we've it's what was our word of the day? Precedent <laughs> that the way that Rich Hill has managed these games, uh, it tends to drag on a bit more like if you tell me the game's going to go more than three hours over under, I will like bet on the over all the time because that just seems to be the way that it, it's happened. And it's not a bad thing. And, and, you know, it's not a bad thing at all. As, as long as they, the game's entertaining, the team's competitive and it ultimately ends in a win. So I was kind of interested at the fact that if they knew that there was that hard stop at four. Yeah. Why wasn't it discussed to move it at least to noon, giving yourself a four hour window you know, a hard stop at for a baseball game. I mean, baseball games go push that three-hour limit quite frequently. We know they've they've made changes at the Almost major league every game. Yeah, they've made changes at the major league baseball level, obviously, to speed up the game. But that's something that definitely needs to be looked at if a team does need to get out of here and potentially move it one hour ahead. Uh, Brian also got a. Uh, quote from UH Athletic Director Craig Angelis and told Spectrum News in a message, quote, if there is enough lead time, which there should be, we need to start the games earlier, says it won't happen again. Hopefully, because I just, like you said, it was agreed upon, so I get it from the coaching player team perspective, fine. But we just need to over-communicate, which is what your girl here does quite frequently, and there's a reason why I do that. Um... And two, just, yeah, like, figure out a way to prevent something like this from happening. I'm not going to harp on it too much, but I just, the more I think about it, the more it's setting in. Because I wasn't at the game. You know, we were preparing and we went to the uh, spring game, the University of Hawaii football spring game. So, but as I sit here as a baseball fan who does enjoy going to the games, specifically, especially hoping to get those moments that are a comeback against a power team. Oh, I, uh, my heart hurts for those fans in attendance. It stinks, but at the end of the day, it, it continued to show that these Rainbow Warriors can compete against anyone in the nation. That NC State team is great. They got a, a really big compliment from the manager of that NC State team or head coach. I, I, I always go back and forth yeah, because it's, college, manager, right? it's manager and uh, professional yeah. levels, but in college, I think it's just head coach. Yeah. So whatever, whatever you guys want to go I mean, about. They're it. still a gay manager. Yeah, exactly. But, but either way, uh, NC State head coach uh, Elliot Evan, he, he or Avon, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry, I apologize. But he he paid a real nice compliment to the Bows in that same article, and this is something that Brian does do very very well, which is opposing quotes. Um, and he did say how it was horrible to kind of put a time limit on a game that the beautiful thing about it is there is no time limit. Uh, but he did end up saying, um, 
especially with two great clubs. That UH club is unbelievable. You know, it really stinks to put a time limit on a game like that. But also, I'm sure he <laughs> felt very, very good saying that as he can get on the bus with a win in his back pocket um, instead of a loss. So <laughs> I do like um, also this little point out in the article. Uh, and of course, he's never going to admit to this, <laughs> which he didn't. But I guess the final innings. Uh, created that situation where they knew they were essentially on the clock, which is, yeah, weird to say in baseball. But um, so UH had the incentive to get on and off the field with haste and NC State. This is, well, not so much. <laughs> That's Brian's article. And so the Wolfpack didn't appear to be in much of a hurry as they made two pitching changes in the final half inning. Uh, Hill, when asked if NC State appeared to be intentionally pumping the brakes, said, I'm not sure. They're trying to win the game. You'd have to ask those guys. So, Brian, as you mentioned, doing what he does best, did ask that question. But the NC State head coach said, no, no. Quote, my pitching coach said our pitcher, Van Dam, was done. He told the trainer he was tired, which, hey, players are going to play along too. So, uh, this is continuing the quote, I went out and made sure he was okay. He said, coach, I'm fine. The infielders said, leave him in. They kind of talked me into it. I left him out there and he gave up a line drive out to right field to Dallas Duarte that could have easily seen a gap. So pitch coach looked at me and said, "Okay, let's go with somebody else. (laughs) Like you said, there was never a chance of him. (laughs) But I thought shout out to Brian McGinnis again for this is a really good write up because it does have the. Uh, quotes from the opposing side but that, that is another interesting way to look at the the management of the game when you know there is a hard stop and you're deaf if you're NC State you definitely don't want to drop another game to the unranked University of Hawaii <laughs> also that Van Dam kid he went to SUNY Cortland I knew I knew that was the SUNY Cortland kid <laughs> and you know what I know for a fact he was doing some skeevy, skeevy stuff. Oh. You know? Cortland State. Ugh. Ugh, you red dragons. Oh. Uh, Cortland's for anybody who doesn't know. Ithaca College and Cortland State are Division Three rivals. Uh, we play Cortica every single year. Uh, so that was a fun little connection that I ended up seeing that um, Van Dam ended up pitching, I think, in two of the games in that series. He transferred in this year from SUNY Cortland up to the Division One level to NC State. So those Red Dragons always trying to so, put it to me, put the screws to me. It's unbelievable. Right. So to end this topic, we're going to go ahead and put that out there that Van Dam was intentionally slowing down the it's game all it's all and him. Hawaii <laughs> would have won had they got to finish that inning and the game. Boom. You broke <laughs> it all down right here. Yeah. That's why That is why you beautiful people listen to us every morning. <laughs> Uh, on that note, we got to take our last break and we'll be back to close things out on Wake Up in the Den. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kukule Agbayani and Paul Brecht. All right, there's a lot of little tidbits we didn't get to yesterday um, that happened over the weekend, so just want to close out the show, really just almost like word vomit of all of the crazy, all the stuff that what happened. Uh, one thing we didn't uh, talk about, and 
HHSA boys basketball, St. Louis, three Pete's hit that dynasty number with three championships to their name, beating Punahou. So I guess, you know what, if St. Louis is going to win, at least they're beating Punahou, and that's kind of Yeah, some it's ILH fine. on yeah. ILH crime. <laughs> yeah, uh, but shout out to Kohala going back-to-back, winning the Boys Basketball Division Two state title. Also, shout out to Kamehameha Kapalama. Their boys... Uh, wrestling team won the team state championship and the Moanalua girls uh, wrestling team won the uh, championship and a special shout out to one of the wrestlers Diesel Del Rosario became Lanai's first state champion he defeated Evan Kusumoto from Kamehameha schools in the 120 division so that's pretty huge shout out to all of those people and to Del Rosario because what a huge thing like accomplishment to do first I mean we've seen so many firsts this year in different sports but first like overall for an island like that's huge so I wanted to make sure I put it in my notes like I have to mention this to everybody uh we I personally cannot give a detailed um, of everything that happened in wrestling because I do not understand the sport. Maybe one day I will uh, be able to understand more about it. And if you go to uh, hhsaa.org, you can see the entire list of who won the individual awards. But so for the teams, uh, boys, champ, Kamehameha Schools, Kapalama, and girls, champs, Moanalua. But special shout out to individual wrestler Diesel Del Rosario, Lanai's first ever state champion. That's, that's crazy. That's so cool. I mean, I mean, it's not surprising, though, because there's just a small population on Lanai. Uh, and just to kind of recap everything, though, I had all of the HHSA titles for the winter. So that's I can't believe we're pretty much like done now. And now we're heading into the spring. So the winter is pow. Uh, just to recap, girls soccer, division one, Punahou. Division 2, Pac-5, Girls Basketball, Division 1, Iolani, Division 2, Marinol, Boys Soccer, Mililani for Division 1, uh, Division 2, Island School, Boys Paddling, which we brought you, Iolani, Girls Paddling, Waimea, uh, their first uh, state title in that sport and the first time a public school won in like 20-something years. That was a huge feat. Mixed Paddling, Kamehameha Schools, Kapalama, Girls Swimming and Diving, Punahou, Boys Swimming and Diving, Iolani, Boys Basketball, as we just mentioned, Division 1, St. Louis, Division 2, Kohala, and again, as we just mentioned, Boys Wrestling, Kamehameha Schools, Kapalama, and Girls Wrestling, Moana Lua. So that rounds up our winter schedule. I can't, this, It's just moving by, like, so incredibly, incredibly fast right now. It really has, it just hasn't stopped. And it's funny to say that because I feel like we say it every single year yeah. and we'll continue like to say, say it, like it every week. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we will continue to say it because it's, it's how life moves. It goes incredibly quick and especially in sports, how uh, how quick do things go? It's a, a finite amount of time that we get to compete. So uh, it's always fun to point out the, the firsts. It's fun to point out the champions, uh, even if it's their third time in a row. It's fun to point out whoever wins just because uh, a lot of work goes in and a lot of work in a really short time that passes by way, 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 way too Mm -hmm. quick. 
also don't want to forget about the uh, track and field team from the University of Hawaii capped off a historic weekend at the MPSF Championships with a team runner-up finish behind more record performances. Uh, On Monday, you know, head coach Tim Boyce said, quote, I'm so incredibly proud of this team and staff. Uh, This was a record-setting weekend in multiple respects and our best-ever MPSF finish. We had so many great accomplishments, but we're most proud of how these women have persevered through all of the challenges thrown their way over the last few years, end quote. And they've had a lot of uh, some or their athletes really stand out. One of them being uh, someone that was on this show and featured on our Manawahine Wednesday, I believe actually to end last year, Alyssa May Antolin. Uh, she continued to just almost like set her own records. <laughs> she, they, so this was pretty cool in their four by 400 meter relay. Uh, they blew away the field, smashing the school record with a 340.51 to get into second place for that meet. Amy Warrington led off with 56.44 before passing to Alyssa May Antolin, who ran a 54.21 second leg. And then Gordon ran a 54.44 third leg to open up a big lead for Isabella Knishaw, who brought it home with a 55.41 anchor leg. I'm just like, dang, that's fast. 400, so that's around a track for, in case everyone's thinking about that. I don't know what's the fastest I've ever run. That's that's so fast. Like when I think about it, I'm like, holy baloney. More than, I don't, I'd like to think that in high school, I'm in college, I maybe could have ran it pretty fast yeah i don't know if i could run it under a minute though i am uh i'm not slow but i'm also <laughs> i i played sports where i didn't need to go full out sprint i needed my stamina so that's <laughs> that's where i'll i'll go with that uh, so i have a lot of respect for people who do especially sprinters oh my god you're like that's where i'll draw the line <laughs> As, yeah no that's not me man As, but we've talked about it how many times that before we were like uh yeah you won't catch us running like the marathon or anything as much as no as much as alan tries to like coax me into it i'm like it's not it's just not going to happen <laughs> i could probably be bullied into into doing some stuff like that where it's like you won't you won't because just because i'm competitive but Outside of that, mm, running is oof, not not my. Deal. <laughs> uh, but anyways, going back to some of the runners, as we mentioned, this was a uh, shout out Christian Shimabuku on K two and two sports. Uh, he added that Alyssa May Antolin defended her two hundred meter title with a twenty three point five four, and it was a UH best. Uh, Helen Holdley posted a conference title and program record four point one zero in the pole vault, surpassing the old program mark of 4.01, set by Tiziana Ruiz. Woo! Awesome. Shout out, you guys. Keep going. Keep doing a fabulous job. Uh, like we mentioned, Alyssa May Antolin, Maui Girl, was always fun chatting with her. And, of course, the Filipina. So I love how she always boasts the, the Filipino flag. All right, last but certainly not least, we brought her name up yesterday. Shout out to University of Hawaii basketball guard Deja Phillips, named the Big West Women's Basketball Player of the Week. No surprise there. Yesterday, following a career best performance against Long Beach State over the weekend, scoring a career high 29 points while posting one of the most productive and efficient shooting performances in program history in UH's 80 to 68 
road win over the beach on Saturday, and it was a away game too. So, my goodness, just continuing to kick butt and take names. I love it so much. Good vibes all the time when you just keep stacking up the wins and the positivity. It's just Deja doing Deja things. I mean, she is unbelievable. She's, I don't want to say a front runner. That's, that would be too much, but she is in the conversation for big West player of the year coming off the bench for UH. I, I want to point out what she did this past weekend. She did it in less than 20 minutes of action. She played less than half of the game and scored a career-high 29 points. 12 of 14 shooting from the field. And honestly speaking, she probably could have gone 12 or 12. She she is otherworldly, especially when she's locked in like she has been over this, I mean, past month. It seems like she's taken her game to another level. She's going to run away with sixth person of the year award. She's going to be somebody who is in the thick of that conversation for Big West Player of the Year award. She's a, no doubt about it, first teamer. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just another accolade to an all time great in the Rainbow Wahine program. So, congratulations to her as she continues to rock out uh, on the court, just as she has since day one that she stepped here on UH, and honestly, even way before then, four, four time back to back to back to back state champion. She's just such a fun player to watch. I mean, we mentioned the team itself, but if. You know, you want to be entertained by a certain player. Deja is that player because, you know, she wears her heart on her sleeve and she kind of I've seen her get, you know, kind of in the face of some players every once in a while. But at the same time, she just puts her head down and balls out. And I I mean, she's just so fun and we are so lucky to have her. And like Paul said, I mean, just she doesn't know anything but winning championships, which is so crazy. Jeez. So four high school state championships and then the two championships. Oh, she's been here for three years, but one year, of course, got canceled because of the pandemic and then won the two years and hopefully the three-peat this year. But we got to go for Paul Brecht. I'm Kule Agbayani. Mahalo for listening. Bye.